Good morning. Good morning. It is good to see folks this morning. Um, welcome to worship, both uh, the few folks that we have here and the folks that are at home. I wasn't sure how folks would respond to the news of um, our associate pastor having uh, COVID, um, and so now I know. Um, so I, I just, I, I had... Um, you know, I had intended to say a few things about COVID in a couple of weeks when we do the all-church um, um, gathering on October 11th, but I, I thought I'd go ahead and say a few things today um, in light of the fact that, uh, that Kobe has COVID-19. And um, I just um, wanted to uh, say that as we have canceled some things this week, uh, certainly part of it was the fact that Kobe, that Kobe had um, COVID-19, but there's also been an increase in the community of, of COVID spreading, and so uh, part of that is why we just paused children's ministry and youth for a week, and then have just encouraged folks to be uh, vigilant and um, cautious. A and um, I want to assure you that um, we think that it is safe to worship here, um, if we will wear our mask when we come and go, if we'll wear our mask when we interact with other folks, and if we will practice physical distancing. Uh, those simple things allow us to continue uh, to do what we have done. And in fact, I don't know if you read Kobe's email, but I thought that, I thought I would read one of his comments in his email, maybe, if I can pull this back up, or his uh, Facebook page. I don't know the difference between Facebook, email. Um, it's all something I read on the computer. Uh, you get me, don't you, Randy? Absolutely. Uh, but, um, you, you know, we, we have had a practice of, of wearing masks when we're around other folks. And again, we wear masks not to protect ourselves. I know folks will say, well, well, if Kobe wears a mask, how did he get COVID? Well, masks aren't intended to protect the wearers. They're intended to protect other folks. If I wear a mask and I have COVID, it, it gives you a less chance of being exposed to the virus that I have. Um, and so um, that's why we wear masks. And uh, Kobe, as part of his Facebook um, post on updating how he's doing, and by the way, he is, continues to get better. I should let you know that. He continues to get better. Nobody else in the family is showing any signs of COVID. Uh, we uh, there's no reason to believe that he got it here at worship or at the church, um, and, um, and so you all need to know that information. Uh, but here's what he said. He says, I try to wear my mask wherever I go, any, whenever I go anywhere, and I try to practice safe distancing. Because of that, no one that I had contact with Saturday through Tuesday had to be quarantined except for my family. In other words, if I didn't wear a mask and practice safe distancing, everyone at Cameron United Methodist Church that I talked to on Sunday would have to quarantine. 14 days, that would be. Um, all the kids that ride the bus would have to quarantine. All the bus drivers that I was in contact with would have to quarantine. Many folks from Daltry's volleyball team would have to quarantine simply because they would have been more exposed to someone who definitely has COVID. Yes, masks are hot and uncomfortable, and yes, even though I wear a mask, I still contracted it. But while, physically, uh, while I physically felt really crappy this week, amen. amen, 
Um, and and he, he, he had it pretty good, if you don't know. He's extremely tired. I think the first 72 hours he slept like 60 of them. Um, but uh, while, I, while I physically felt crappy this week, my heart felt really good knowing that no one except my family had to quarantine because of me. Um, and so I just share that because, again, I cannot emphasize enough I know that there's some of you who probably get sick of hearing me say this because you don't think masks are effective and you don't think physical distancing is what we ought to do. Um, But we're going to continue to practice that here, and I'm going to continue to encourage you uh, to wear your mask, to practice physical distancing, not for your sake, but for the sake of other folks. Um, And I am thankful that Kobe has been so diligent in doing that. Um, And I assure you, Uh, that the church building does not have COVID-19, okay? For some of those uh, of you who might be confused, it's Kobe who has COVID-19, and this is still a safe space to gather and to worship um, and to continue to grow um, spiritually. And so I just want to remind you all of that, and that's my um, public service announcement for this morning. Um, And so my invitation to all of us here, To all the folks online, it is now for us just to take a deep breath and to begin to focus on the presence of God. For God is among us and with us through every circumstance. He is not just with us if we gather here, but he is also with us if we are at home, if we are gathered around a screen. Um, God is with us. And God invites us in this time of worship to draw our attention to God and our focus on God. And so I invite you, um, as we begin worship, to gather in anticipation of experiencing afresh and anew the presence of Christ, to gather in expectation that the Spirit will speak to you, uh, that the Spirit will speak deep to you, continuing to shape and form you so that you might live and love like Jesus. Uh, let us worship as the, um, the earlies and Anne. Oh, wow. Looky there. Um, lead us in singing Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone.
Thank you. We can just all go home. <laughs> I invite us now to, um, to just prepare our hearts to go to uh, the Lord in prayer this morning. And at the end of the prayer, I will invite you all to join in um, the Lord's prayer. Let's go to the Lord. Gracious God. Help us to focus our attention on you. Help us to be ever aware of your presence that um, surrounds us not just here, but is around us everywhere. Give us strength and encouragement by your Holy Spirit that we might learn to rely and to trust you in all circumstances and all situations. We continue to pray, Lord, for uh, those within our congregation who are recovering from sickness and illness. We pray, Lord, for those who have lost loved ones this week, uh, for the Taylor family and for uh, the Ocker family and Connor family. We, we pray for those um, who are just in the midst of grief and loss and would just ask that you surround them with comfort, and peace, and just a sense, Lord, that, um, that you will heal, heal their hearts. Help us to surround them. We pray, Lord, especially for Kobe and his family. We pray for all of the families throughout um, Cameron who are being affected by uh, the coronavirus, whether uh, they, they have COVID-19 or whether they simply are finding themselves needing to quarantine because they've had contact with someone or making decisions uh, based on their own health. We just ask, Lord, that uh, you be with our community, that you be with individuals, that um, you give us a sense of um, caution, and yet that we would not live in fear, that we would um, learn to go about life in safe ways, um, that as our attempts to uh, physically distance do not lead us to social isolation. We pray, Lord, for the schools, for the teachers who uh, just continue to deal with these tensions each and every day. May they know that they are in our thoughts and in our prayers, and may you continue to give them strength and encouragement as they seek to do the best they can for the students that they have. We just ask, Lord, that, um, that you be with our community, that, um, that, that you pull us together instead of push us apart like what we see going on so many other places um, in our country. Enable us, Lord, to draw closer to you, because we know in drawing closer to you, we will draw closer to one another. Indeed, pour out your Spirit upon us here this day, 
pour out your spirit upon those uh, listening or tuning in now or later to this worship service. Um, Enable them uh, to hear your voice, to respond with courage and boldness to that which you guide them to do, uh, to give them a boldness to live life in its fullest for you, uh, so that through them, your love and your grace might reach out into their neighborhoods and communities and that all people might learn that you are a faithful God who can be trusted always and forever, that your steadfast love never ends and that your mercies are new and afresh every morning. And now, Lord, we join our voices together in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. you for sin. 
I don't know about you all, but um, I think sometimes we, uh, we get the idea that Paul and the apostles and all these characters from uh, Scripture, uh, we get the idea that they are all um, some kind of superheroes, that they never experience any kind of frustration or anger or um, discouragement or anything like that. Um, and, and we think, you know, when they come up against trouble, they, they just plow right on through, no problems, they're never discouraged or anything like that. Well, I am pretty sure that as we read this passage from Acts 18, uh, that in fact, Paul was indeed discouraged and frustrated when he arrived in Corinth in about A.D. 50 or 52, somewhere in there. Um, and, and I believe that in part because if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he says when he came to them, um, he was kind of dejected. He says it right there in his letter. And, and who could blame him? Remember how he got to Corinth. Do you remember the story of how he got to Corinth? Remember uh, that he had been in Jerusalem. He went back to Antioch. He decided that he was going to go back to the churches in Galatia. And he was going to go back through these communities that he had already started, share the good news with them uh, that they uh, just needed to turn from their idols and turn toward God. And he wanted to strengthen them and encourage them and grow these churches in Galatia. But as he started going around Galatia and he wanted to go to other places, he found himself hindered. 
In fact, at one point he says that he was hindered by the Holy Spirit. And he ends up um, in the northwest part of Europe and he has this vision, this call that says, come on over to Macedonia. And I'm sure at that point he was like, oh, finally I've got a, a clear idea of what to do. And so off to Macedonia he goes. And initially, if we remember, he has much success in Philippi, right? He, he goes and he does this ministry outside the synagogue at the creek and in the streets and, and even in prison. Uh, but soon when he's in Philippi, he comes up against some opposition and he is beaten and thrown in prison. And in essence, he's run out of Philippi. And so he's off to Thessalonica and he goes to Thessalonica and we begin to see this cycle that we see over and over again. He goes there, he goes into the synagogue, he, he talks to the people of God who should be the people who celebrate the fact that the Messiah has come uh, in the synagogue and the Jewish folks, and yet they reject him and they oppose him and they, they raise up uh, civil leaders who oppose Paul and he is threatened and, and those who are his friends are beaten and again he's out of town to Borea. And down in Berea, the same thing happens. And so over and over again, off he goes to Athens. Now he gets to Athens, and in Athens, instead of experiencing this rejection like he experienced in Thessalonica and in Berea, he, he, he walks through Athens and he sees all these different idols, and he, he goes and he pours out his heart to tell them that he knows this unknown God to which they uh, worship. And in essence, the people in Athens kind of go, eh, who cares? You know, like maybe a handful of folks say, oh, we're excited about this. I mean, they're, they're just kind of like, yeah, another God. And um, so he doesn't even, he had gone to Athens to wait for uh, Timothy and Silas. He doesn't even wait for them. He makes a 50-mile journey to Corinth. And so he, he arrives in Corinth, I'm sure discouraged, and frustrated because it seems like here he had been called to Macedonia. He was sharing the good news that Jesus the Messiah has come, that the kingdom of God has come near. And everywhere he goes, he experienced rejection or just total apathy. Like, who cares? You get the picture of how Paul must have felt when he arrived in Corinth. And so we're going to pick up the story in chapter 18 today, and we're going to read these first five verses. After Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, there he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius. He had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul visited with them because they practiced the same trade. And he stayed and he worked with them. They all worked with leather. Every Sabbath he interacted with the people in the synagogue, trying to convince both Jews and Greeks. Once Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself fully to the word of God, testifying to Jesus that Jesus was the Christ, that Jesus was the Messiah. You get a sense that maybe Paul is like, takes a deep breath and says, maybe things are going to go well finally. 
he gets to Corinth, he encounters these two new friends who have the same passions that he has. Uh, they, they make tents, uh, they're Jewish, and apparently they have come to believe that Jesus is Messiah, or through their interaction with Paul, they come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They go with him into the synagogue each and every week, sharing this message and trying and, and hoping to lead other people to understand uh, this new thing that God has done and is doing. And then along come uh, Silas and Timothy from Thessalonica, most likely if you read uh, the letter to uh, the Thessalonians. In chapter 3, we're told that Silas and um, Timothy arrive and give Paul this good news that despite the fact he had to leave Thessalonica on short notice because of the persecution there, that the church is doing well, that the community is doing well, that they are thriving, and in fact, they have sent Paul some support. And so now Paul has these two new friends and these two old friends and a little bit of support, and he feels like, okay, now I can dedicate a full time to sharing the good news in the synagogue. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. The kingdom of God has come new, God, near. God is doing this new thing. I can spend my time sharing that and more and more of my fellow Jewish folks will begin to believe and accept this. Hmm. It doesn't quite go that way, does it? In fact, if we continue the story in verse 6, here's what we read. So Paul, uh, Paul devoted himself fully to the word, testifying to Jesus that Jesus was the Christ. He was doing this in the synagogues. Uh, when they opposed and slandered him, he shook the dust from his clothes in protest and said, you are responsible for your own fate. I'm innocent. From now on, I'm going to the Gentiles. And he left the synagogue and went next door to the home of Titus Justus, a Gentile God worshiper. Now, I want to suggest that, that Paul, in shaking the dust off his feet, I, I don't think he was thinking of Jesus' message to his disciples when he told them if they weren't received well, they should just shake the dust off their feet and go to the next place. I think Paul was mad. I think he was frustrated and discouraged because here he was pouring out his heart, and it seemed that no matter, uh, no matter what he did or how he dedicated himself, uh, the, the, these, uh, the synagogue people, they were his own people. Descendants of Abraham, Jacob, and um, Isaac. Descendants uh, that were um, of his ancestry and people that he wanted so dearly to see that Jesus was the Messiah. And it seemed like the more that he challenged their deep-rooted beliefs, the more he tried to show them how they had misunderstood God and misconceived God, the more that he um, lifted up and challenged their sacred cows the more they rebelled, the more they rejected his message, the more they wanted to chase him out of town because they didn't want to have anything to do with the message that he had for them. They were set in their ways. 
They had all the answers. They didn't need Paul telling them that God was doing and had done a new thing in and through Jesus. And so, the more stubborn they became, the more upset Paul came. And I, I am convinced that Paul, he, he just finally, he just blew up and he had had it. He had had it. The I am done with you is like, fine, you all can just go do whatever you want to do. And, and whatever you get, you deserve it. And I don't care. Have it your own way. Go ahead. I think I said that to my children once or twice, didn't we? Um, but you get so frustrated uh, because you can't get through. And so um, he, he says, I'm just fine. I'm just going to go somewhere else. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to share the news with the Gentiles. Now, here's what I think, though, is Paul is saying this. I don't think Paul is really thinking, I'm going to leave the synagogue, I'm going to go out here, I'm going to share the good news with the Gentiles. All the Gentiles are going to come and follow Jesus and everything's going to be well. You know why he didn't think that? That hadn't been his experience, right? I mean, I'm thinking Paul is probably thinking in his head, here we go again. Here we go again. I've shared the good news with uh, uh, the Jewish folks in the synagogue, and they rejected me, and I'm going to go to the Gentiles, but I know what's going to happen. I know exactly what's going to happen. They'll listen to me for a while. They'll humor me. Um, but when it all comes down to it, and, and, uh, and opposition arises, they'll abandon the message. And once again, I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be thrown in prison, or maybe this time they might even kill me. Now, that's not a picture of Paul that we often think of, is it? We, we like to read this story, and we like to just think, well, uh, Paul was just unaffected by all of this. But see, he wasn't, and we know that. You know why we know that? Because we keep reading this passage and this scripture here, and we get to verse 9 and 10. Um, and this is what we read. One night, the Lord said to Paul in a vision, don't be afraid, continue speaking, don't be silent, I'm with you, and no one who attacks you will harm you, for I have many people in the city. Now, I don't think God said that for any other reason other than Paul needed to hear that. And so to me, that's just a clear indication that Paul was clearly discouraged and frustrated. But here's the thing we can learn from this. Yes, as Paul is, is, is discouraged and he's frustrating, frustrated, and we hear in this passage uh, that he has this vision, he hears from God. Now, why do you think he hears from God? I don't think he heard from God because he was still running around ranting and raving and being busy. I think he heard from God because even in the midst of discouragement, he was taking time to create space so he could hear from God. Yes? Now, I don't know about you all, but when I am in a funk, as I call it, uh, Deb may call it something else, 
But, but when I'm in a, a, a funk, when I'm frustrated, and when I'm discouraged, the most important thing that I can do is not to uh, just get mad and, and blow steam, although that happens every now and then, right? Um, but um, it is to stop and to take time and to realize I need to hear from God. And so in the midst of frustration and discouragement, rather than running away from God, what we need to do is run to God. We need to create more space and more time so that we can spend it with God and we can hear God speak to us. In times like this, the most important thing we can do is to create that space. And the more we feel frustrated and discouraged, the more space we need to create and provide for ourselves. I am convinced if Paul had not done that, Paul would not have heard this message from God. And I'd like to believe that the friends that were surrounding him were there to help him with that also to remind him that he needed to connect with God in the midst of his discouragement and his frustration. And so God speaks to him. And he says, do not be afraid. Do not be fearful. Yes, there's chaos all around you, and yes, you have experienced this, and yes, you might experience it in the future, but do not be afraid. Keep speaking. Do not be silent. Remember, I called you on the road to Damascus with this message that the, the Messiah, the Christ, has come. God's kingdom has come near. God is doing a new thing among all people. God is seeking to restore and to redeem all people to Himself. So that they might not just believe with their heads, but so they might begin to walk in the way of Jesus. And so he wanted to remind Paul of the importance of the message and the mission that he had given him, that he shouldn't be afraid, that he should continue to speak out and not, not be silent. And then he also says, he says, those, those who attack you will not harm you. Now, I don't know if I'm Paul, I would have said, can we negotiate that? Can we just not have them attack me at all? But God says, those who attack you will not harm you. And then God gives him the most important reminder of all. I am with you. I am with you. Despite the troubles, despite the circumstances, I have not abandoned you, and I will not abandon you. I am with you. You. You cannot get away from my presence. Wherever you go, there I will be with you. I am with you. 
hear that message today. Hear God speaking that in the midst of circumstances this day. Paul heard that message. Paul heard, do not fear. Keep speaking. Do not be silent. Share this important news. Know that I will protect you from harm, not necessarily difficulties, and I will be with you. And in fact, if we continue in the story, um, we, we are told um, soon after this uh, vision that he has, um, we're told that um, Gal- Galileo, the governor of the province, that the Jews, united in their opposition against Paul, um, once again, uh, like has happened in other places, they bring charges against Paul, saying he's teaching this new religion. Now, can you imagine what's going on in Paul's head? Okay, I've had this vision. Okay, I need to trust God. Uh, Paul starts to speak. I'm sure ready to go into the defense that he's had before he even speaks. The governor says to the Jewish folks who are bringing this against him, he basically says, um, it sounds like an internal squabble in your own church, your own synagogue. Don't bring this to the civil courts. It has nothing to do with us. I don't care. Now, we think that's a small thing. But in essence, what the governor did is he basically said this, this the way, this following Jesus, it's just part of the Jewish religion. You know what that means? That means they have protection like the Jewish people did. They didn't have to worry that the civil government would uh, persecute them because they were now an approved religion. They weren't something new. And in essence, he opened up this door so Paul stays in Corinth for 18 months and Christianity thrives in the city of Corinth. It thrives in the city of Corinth. But you see, they only got to that point because Paul continued to persevere through his discouragement and through his frustration. When he reached that point, when he reached that point, he enjoyed a community of old friends and new friends who gathered around him. He took time to create space and a place to hear and to spend time with God. And then when God spoke to him and said, do not be afraid, continue to speak, do not be silent, I am with you, he continued to do that for which he had been called. And God was faithful to his word. Paul was not harmed in Corinth. God was with him throughout the whole time. And the church grew and thrived. Hear this message today. No matter how discouraged or frustrated you might be, God is with you. God will be with you in all circumstances and will not abandon you. You do not need to be afraid. Take time to listen and to respond and to do as God directs you to do.
And the word of God will grow and spread. And more and more people will come to know Christ. And the way of Christ will advance in the world. Amen. this invitation today. You may be discouraged. You may be frustrated. But know this. God is with you. God's steadfast love endures forever and his mercies are new and afresh every morning. Go forth from here this day to allow God to take away those frustrations and that discouragement and to replace them with the confidence that he goes with you and that he encourages you. You do not need to be afraid. You simply need to continue to share the good news of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God that has come near. Go in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
knowing that they go with you. Amen.